Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Premise is simple. It's a basic primal conference. Blitz is defined as a sudden savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Just Stone Cold sets up. If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. It is Big 12 Media Days week. If you're listening to this on Thursday or after, the Texas Longhorns are either in the process of going through Media Days or will have gone through Media Days. So we'll cover what we can before Roshan Johnson, Bijan Robinson, Ovia Gofu, DeMarvin Overshone, and Steve Sarkeesian take the stage in Arlington. Before we get into it, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we thank you so much for being a part of another edition of Longhorn Blitz in our 10th year of doing the podcast again. Thank you so much for your continued support of what we've got going on here. It is a labor of love with the Blitz, and we appreciate you so much. Again, however you listen, wherever you listen, we just thank you so much. You can get this podcast in a number of ways, but the best way to get it, search Horns 24-7. Anywhere you get your podcast, Horns 247. No dashes, no slashes. Click that follow button. You get every episode of the Blitz when it drops on Tuesdays, and don't forget to leave us a five-star review. And don't forget to get over to Horns 24-7. Horns247.com, the latest and greatest in Longhorn team news, notes, and nuggets. The best recruiting coverage in the Texas market with Mike Roach and Hudson Standish. Get that at Horns247. Sign up for the newsletter. Hit us on all the social channels at Horns247. No dashes, no slashes. Horns247.com is where you need to be. Now, let me bring in the rest of the team who will be alongside for this week's edition of The Blitz. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? Uh, coming off of probably the most time off I've ever had in the month of July. No lie. I had you a vacation, then a wedding. Uh, so, yeah, just I've, I've been a little more quiet on the social channels and on the site than I normally am. But, well, again, with media days here, it's time to ramp it back up. Got the batteries recharged. Uh, a man who I don't think he recharges his batteries because the batteries never run out. He's a renaissance man. He is literally, he is the hardest working man uh, in the radio business in Austin. You can hear him each and every day uh, on the horn with Mike Harge on Ball Don't Lie from 3 to 7. Uh, but for the purposes of this podcast, he is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-American 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU 
And when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Good to have you back, brother, and the intro. Good as always. I didn't screw it up, so it's all smooth Money. sailing from here. It's yeah, all man, gravy at this you're point. In, you are in football mode. You know it. Yeah, yeah. I had to get, again, had to, mid-season form. Had to get the batteries <laughs> recharged. I uh, had some vacation with the Carolinas for Craig Way's wedding. Beautiful ceremony. So when I'm back, the ready to rock and roll. Nice. Uh, on, I, I mentioned at the top, we're going to talk media days, just abstract terms, because uh, we don't get too topical because I, I'm – I'm expecting, and this is the unfortunate thing. Mm-hmm. I'm expecting most, and this is why, quite honestly, I won't be there on Wednesday, the first day. I wanted to have nothing to do with the first day. First of all, Texas isn't there, so there's really no reason for me to be there. What um, are the first day teams? Uh, honestly, Rod, I, I don't okay, have I'll it pull in front up a of list. me. So I know right. Texas and Oklahoma are both day teams. That's why I said it's, it's the not sexy day. It's like Baylor, Oklahoma State. Uh, See, that's actually not, that's actually kind of sexy. TC- Baylor's the defending champion. And pick to win the conference this year. Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy, most tenured and uh, one of the most outspoken. Probably right. give you a little nugget. But the conversation day one is going to be dominant because that's when the new Big 12 commissioner will make his state of the conference Great address. It's going to be dominated by realignment. Oh, that's I, very true. I just have tired Propaganda. Head yeah, realignment. Like, stuff. I, like we talk you know, all – it, it, It's actually happening, though. It's not like I know, theoretical. No, I know, but like we talk from January, from the end of the championship game, like up till now – about hypotheticals and big picture and state of college football. Like when we get to the end of July, I just want to talk about football. And realignment is robbing me of that. So I wanted nothing to do with day one. I just want to go there and attempt to get work done on Thursday when Texas is there. Yeah. Uh, so we'll talk about media days a little bit. And, Rod, I, I don't know how – this might take up most of the show. I kind of wanted to touch on each of the individual guys uh, that are going to be there for Texas because they're all revolved all, – each of the four of them, Sark is – uh, a different ball of wax yeah. in terms of the questions he's going to be asked. But the four guys, Ovia Gofu, DeMarvin Overshone, Roshan Johnson, B. John Robinson, all four of those guys kind of revolve around the main off-season themes, off-season topics that we've talked about. But the one I wanted to focus on, and Rod, I'm going to need your expertise. We're going to go kind of away from numbers and kind of the nitty-gritty X's and O stuff mm. and talk about something that I said earlier this off-season I didn't really want to get into. I was tired of hearing about you know, buy-in and unity and all these kind of, oh yeah, you know, mm. kind of abstracts, not the right words, but kind of these intangible concepts that we've been talking about for a decade mm. now. Because, I, I mean, quite honestly, it to me, a lot of it doesn't really matter. But I think it matters in this sense. And, and where I'm going with this are the reports. And I just saw some stuff on Twitter. I believe it was an Inside Texas report. And I know some people are like, oh, my gosh, Jeff just mentioned a competing site. Yeah, they had the report. I've been – kind of off the grid, so I'm just getting back and seeing some of this. <laughs> but that, your source. But that Roshan Johnson is – and, look, I, I say that uh, because – Nobody else does good work in his town. Yeah, my, my, <laughs> I trust my staff at Horns 24-7. I think we're the best site in the market. I think yeah. we've got the best recruiting coverage, but it is Everyone what it is. Everyone else incompetent. Right. So, But, no, the report is that Roshan Johnson is starting to organize these Saturday workouts where it's like – and, again, I haven't – and I probably won't read the Inside Texas report. I'm just going off of what's been kind of aggregated on Twitter and from mm-hmm. some other – 
some yeah, other I've sites have aggregated the report. Yeah, so you get the gist of it, though, right? Like yeah, he's yeah. it's like he's the, film he's the and leader. right, film and weights and the whole yeah. deal. Basically, give up your Saturday. He he is the general, and he has now got himself a a hierarchy now of leadership right. that he has established essentially in the off season. He's been given the green light by Sark. Sark has said it publicly, and he said it within a locker room. Rojo is the leader. He's doing it by example, but also he's the guy that will hold you accountable vocally. Right. And he's mm-hmm. establishing a system of peer accountability throughout the team. That's the gist of it. We got yes. now peer accountability being established, and now you have players who are not running away from the responsibility of leadership. Now they are embracing the responsibility of leadership. That is something that when I was on the 40 Acres, I had pride in. I couldn't wait when I first got here. When you know the the, the secondary was, you know, that was Quinn Jamma's secondary, and that was you know, Joe Walker, Greg Brown. It was their secondary. And I remember when I got in there, I thought, man, when I am the boss, when it's it, when I am the starter, it's gonna be my secondary. Mm-hmm. I'll be able to establish the the philosophies. I'll be able to establish you know the practice habits, the the behaviors, the models, all that kind of stuff. And that's exactly how it happened. And so I, I see what. Rojo is doing now. Somewhere along the line, we talked about this on Longhorn Blitz years ago. Ten years, years ago. Past, we're talking about it. About the disconnect. Something happened. When did it happen? We don't really know. But there was, at one point, because there was a clear responsibility for every leader to pass down that knowledge, to pass down that pride, that leadership, those expectations. Mm-hmm. And I did it with Nathan Vasher and Huff Daddy and Cedric Griffin and, I, and all the guys that were in the DB room, Aaron Ross, and I was proud of that. That when I left, I was like, oh, yeah, I told y'all them boys was going to be, most going to be, they're going to be nasty. I told you they was going to be better than we was. And we were really good, but they were going to take it to a whole nother level. Leave it better than you found it. Yeah. And Rojo is on a mission. To leave it better than he found it, so I appreciate him. And that's a tough thing to do because when I got here, this was already established, right? I had yeah. guys, you know, I played with great, great leaders, but I came in with Casey Hampton already being a leader. Aaron Humphrey was a great. Dee Dee Lewis was a great leader. Greg Brown, like I, you know, I mean, I had I had examples before me of great leadership, and so I it, it wasn't it wasn't there wasn't a disconnect. There wasn't mm-hmm. you didn't have to reestablish. Those yeah. values mm-hmm. and that, you know, that ideology. Now, I'll give Rojo credit because it's tough. He has to reestablish it. And we still don't know where the disconnect happened because when Quandre got here, there was still some of that. I mean, you still had some of it. But now, to the point, it's unrecognizable these days in that locker room, at least from the outside looking in, where guys have pride in leadership and they want to they be the one that's holding their peers accountable. And there is a sense of... You know, I don't want to let my teammates down. I'm doing it for my brother. I can't let my brother down, and I don't know where that is, but I'm glad they're establishing it. It's one thing to talk about that because we've heard talk about that. And This is where I think the disconnect happens, and this is why I said what I said earlier in the offseason because I think – and I fell into this – I was in this trap Mm -hmm. as a media member covering the team, and I think there are Texas fans that still get themselves in this trap because on the flagship message board, everybody's talking about this. And it didn't take you very many posts to get down to, oh, well, this is just like, you know, that summer where Vince wrote on the chalkboard, hey, if you want to beat Ohio State, meet me on the field at whatever time it was. And Vince Young writing those messages. I think because fans, and again, I think some media members, and again, I'll put myself, I was in here, I was in this group at one point. You're As long as this program has been down, I think you're you're almost looking for 
like that magic elixir, that one thing that you can grab onto and gravitate to and say, okay, this is it. This is what's going to get Texas back to relevancy, back to competing year after year. And it just, it, it took me a while to realize it just doesn't happen that way. There's not there's, one thing. There's not a magic. There's not a nope. button you push. There's not a magic elixir. There's not that one thing, that kind of butterfly effect moment where everything changes from there on out. With that said, to your point, Rod, if it's going to get back to that point, at some point it's got to take a leader or a group of leaders because think about it and, and take it away from football. Like, if you've been a student and you've had a great teacher or a great professor, or if you're in the corporate world, you had a great a great CEO. If you're working a nine to five, if you've had a great boss, think about the great bosses or teachers or coaches that you've been around. Great leadership is it, it's tough. It's hard to be a great leader because there's a certain balance I think you have to have between that competitive sickness that we all talk about. Like you talk about like Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant's leadership. Like I think about those those type of leaders. Their leadership is different because it comes from a place of, look, I am, this is what I am doing. Um, If you want to follow me and try to do what I do, come on, follow. Um, But understand that if you don't, your life's probably going to try to make your life as miserable as possible. And that was the way those guys led because it was that competitive sickness. I think great leadership, great, truly great leadership is there's a certain amount of that, but there's also a certain amount of selflessness and understanding that, look, I'm going to sacrifice a little bit of my personal gain because I've got to try to bring as many people as possible with me. There's a certain sacrifice you've got to make. So so it's tough to find great leadership. But at some point, if this thing is going to change, Texas has to have some of those guys, and there have to be guys if it's Roshan. And I agree, Rod. It's <clears throat> We've seen it at different times. It's been kind of spotty in terms of guys that brought that to the table, that kind of leadership. But if it's going to start, if it's going to be consistent, it's got to start somewhere. There has to be a genesis of that in this in the Steve Sarkeesian version of Texas football. It's got to start with a group of leaders. And if it starts with Roshan Johnson, Roshan Johnson might not be a guy that wins a conference championship. Or Rod, you know, in your case, you weren't a guy that won a national championship. But the things that you helped pass on helped Texas win a national championship. That had to start somewhere. And I think if you're a Texas fan looking for the positive, I know I just rambled there a little bit, but that's the positive of maybe this is the start of several years down the road, you look back at this moment as being the moment where and things didn't change right away, but that's initially where you can trace it back to. Yeah, I don't, I don't know you know, what's happening you know, sociologically, but I even heard Nick Saban talk about this, and he said he's finding it tougher and tougher to find leadership on teams. He said it used to be easier, um, and this is a guy that's yeah. at the top of the mountain, right? And nobody, he's the goat. And he said he's finding it tougher uh, to, you know, kind of put guys in leadership roles who want to embrace that role. They, he said, he got guys who are great, you know, they they're great players and they work really hard and they have no problem being a team first guy mm-hmm. and they're unselfish. But that's different than being a leader. All right, you can once you establish yourself as a great player. Uh, a leader kind of going to the point, you know, we were addressing earlier, you have to want to push others around you. You have different methods of doing it. Michael Jordan, all right, MJ and Kobe, right? I talk about those guys with, you know, the ultimate competitive sickness. We, you know, we actually celebrate the maniacal, uh, really kind of sociopathic mm-hmm. manner that those guys conducted, you know, their conducted themselves and how they really impose their leadership on their team. And it, 
it, it, MJ fighting teammates, you know what I mean? <laughs> MJ, he had the ultimate, you know, kind of, like I said, the, the, the focus of MJ was all about being the best. And I don't necessarily think MJ's um, leadership was a, a selfless leadership. No, I not. do. I think it was a confrontational style of leadership. Kobe also had that confrontational style of leadership, and that is also very different. You know what I mean? And you can have different leadership styles all you want. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of them can be successful. Uh, but when I heard Nick Saban say that he's finding trouble with it, I think that's just something going on with you know young people and how they are these days embracing leadership and, and their roles in leadership. I just don't think a lot of guys want to be necessarily a leader. Look at social media. Literally, there are followers, yeah. uh, and there are so right, there are social there are, there are social media leaders, right? They're yeah. called influencers. They're yeah. literally influencing followers, yeah. <laughs> right? And I'm not saying that that's the social media is the downfall of society, but <laughs> when I hear Nick Saban say that, when I'm doing research, I'm hearing Nick Saban saying, "Man, I'm trying to tougher find leadership around mm-hmm. here." This is the guy that's identifying leadership, recruiting leadership, has seen it at a high level, um, cultivating it at a high level, and he's saying, yeah, it's getting tougher to find. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe it's because of a transfer portal and name, image, and likeness. Maybe that's affecting some of those things. I don't know. All that's, of them. All, yeah, exactly, right? That's relatively brand new, and so was the interview. But like I said, it's I do think there is something going on. I don't think it's just here at Texas and Sark. I do think, like I said, I heard Nick Saban said, I do think for some reason maybe young people don't want that leadership role. And these days, I mean, let's be honest, you see leaders have a lot of falls from grace in the social media age. Oh, right? yeah. you, you be a leader, that's a target on your back to be a leader. Makes you it gotta even also, harder. Exactly. you got to want that. you yeah. got to want people to want to hold you accountable. you got to want mm. people to hold you to a higher standard KD than everybody else. Right now, exactly. Like yeah, young people see that like, man. A lot of people, they used to be like, that's the way you lead. I want to win. Yeah, when Michael Jordan said he didn't have to deal with that much yeah. criticism of being a leader. That wasn't that. So I, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to get all macro on you in deep, uh, but I'm just saying, like, that, if Nick Saban's saying it, I do think it's right. being tougher and it's tougher worth bringing to up. be identifying cultivating. Yeah. For sure. And when you talk about leaderships, like when you were talking about Roshan, and it just sort of reminded me when you look at his career arc, because there are so many different types of leaders. And then we always talk about, you know, like this isn't some type of binary situation, not one. And that, insert this and then everything goes away no like it's like chemistry and if you change one component it can really affect a lot of things like i would bring up back in the day the difference between carbon monoxide and dioxide it's one little molecule but it's totally different mm-hmm. between the two and when you throw in the right person in the right situation it really can help with that group because we talk about like a locker room is like just a whole it's a socioeconomic experiment between the players and you have to understand one another. And that's why, like, I look at Casey Hampton's career arc and it was really similar. He was here in 97 when Texas struggled as a young player. And then you end up having him there for 98. But then like for him to then be viewed in your mind, when you showed up, this man's a leader, even though Texas hadn't won, but it's something, some natural personalities gravitate to the top. And that's sort of something if you were to predict, well, who's going to be the leader of this team? People got, man, Roshan, we've seen the way that guy's carried himself. You sort of knew that those values or that just that personality, all those things are inside of him. But then to hear about him sort of, you know, taking it to that forefront, despite to say the team coming off of one of the worst years you could be, but still not having anything affect that because it's all his personality, his pride. That's just like that type of person that you love to see, like your expectation is being met from what we're seeing. Now, who knows how it's going to work out. But when talking about leaders, like, that type of career arc is quite similar, being that you've seen really the bottom of the bottom, 
but it doesn't matter because like yeah. now you're driven and you have a new group and you're still there. Well, and now you can sort of, if you are like the way Quandre sort of was that guy on that 11, 12 group. With yeah, that but Quandre is from a different, yeah, Quandre's no, you're old right, soul, you're right. right? He's from, he, he grew up in a household yep. with, in you know, and, and was around, yeah, he was around leadership. So I, I don't know Rojo's background, but yeah. some guys are around it. When, when VY came to campus, VY already knew like, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the leader one day. One yeah. day I'm going to be the guy, I'm be the alpha male. Both of the quarterbacks in the locker room, they, they're tremendously talented, right, competing for the starting spot. Both of them are considered, you know, kind of, uh, you know, very, not, not shy, yeah. but they aren't considered to be very outgoing, yeah. you know, uh, braggadocious. They don't have a huge bravado about them. We talked them. about I mean, these guys, Yeah, I don't, even, I don't even know if he's on social media. I don't yeah. even see how Tim Carter any pictures. At least I see Quinn Ewers on pictures with guys and hanging out and that kind of stuff. But my point is, like, they wanted to be the alpha males of the alpha males. When Chris Sims arrives on campus, he already knew, I've been groomed for this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to well, be the guy. Is. I already know. I'm going to be the guy. This is the way it works out. And VY had a similar, like, no, I'm going to be the alpha male of alpha males when I walk in here. And it's strange that the two quarterbacks who are obviously they're great, they don't have that mentality. I'm not saying they're not going to be great players, not great leaders, but they don't have that mentality of a VY or a Sims. That play mm-hmm. we like, no, no, I'm going to be the alpha male of alpha males. I'm here. I'm here, guys. Mm-hmm. This is me. And I wonder if Arch Manning kind of has it, but I've heard that Arch Manning is a little be... understated as well. Yeah. Like he obviously one tweet. A lot more of and, the and, Eli. And, and, and not, saying, Eli and not saying that doesn't make you a great leader, but we're talking about all types of leadership, right? The vocal mm-hmm. leadership. When I come, when I describe the competitive sickness, it is literally a sickness. That's why I described it as a sickness because Michael Jordan and Kobe, they couldn't turn it off. No. Kobe literally said, I'm not a great friend. He said, I'm not a great friend, and I'm really not – I'm not the guy that's going to be, you know, uh, unless he's my immediate family, I'm probably not going to be the most outgoing guy with family. I'm not going to family reunions, stuff like that. He said, I'm a great teammate. Yeah. You want to work out with me? You can work out with me. You want to watch film with me? You can watch film with me. You know what I mean? You want to go get better by uh, t- taking 100, 300 shots, all right, from every different spot on the court? Me and you can do that all day, every day. You want to go to the club and go hang out for two hours? I ain't got two hours. Because yeah. after, ha- after I go work out for four hours, I'm going to go watch some film. I'm going to work out for another three hours. Then I got to go hang out with the family. You want to come hang out with my family? Maybe great. We can go have some dinner or something like that. But I can't go hang out with you and go chase tail at the club. I can't do that. Yeah. It's a different style of leadership. Cole McCoy, similarly, he didn't go out to the club with no. the guys. All right? he, he didn't go out downtown up. with the guys. BY did. Different style of leadership, though. Like, no, no, no. I'll holler at y'all when y'all are done. B. Sean doesn't do that either, reportedly. Right? So so it's just, there are different styles of leadership. Like, so when I, when I described mm-hmm. it as a comparative sickness, it was a like sickness. Michael Jordan can turn it off. That's why he's got, he gambles every damn time he can get. Mm-hmm. He'll gamble with you over any damn thing. Yeah. He can't turn off his competitive sickness. Yeah. So therefore, everybody around him's got to take their game to the next level. That's mm-hmm. his style of leadership. And I, I think, I don't think it's self. I think he's almost destructive at mm-hmm. times. Uh, it yeah, can be. That's what I was right? trying to say. It's like, yeah. no, 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 I will destroy everything in my path to get where I want to go because yeah. I'm the GOAT and nothing, nothing will mm-hmm. stop my will from materializing what I want to happen, which yeah. is me becoming the GOAT and me winning all the championships and it being about me. Yeah. By the way, MJ made a show. It was going to be about me. Everybody's going to know the reason we win is yeah. because of me. That's the alpha male, the alpha male. Some guys, the leadership, and they just want to win and they ain't about it about being them. No, no, MJ's like, no, no, it's me. Kobe was like, no, no. It's me. Yeah. Like, just so you know, I am the reason. That's a different style of leadership. Yes. And I'm not saying it's less effective or more effective. There's not one My right way. And just having this conversation is, I don't necessarily see the, the the competitive sickness style of leadership on the team right now. No. Right? That was yeah. kind of more, more what VY was about. And, you know, I think he had that. I don't think a lot of guys do have that. Right? That's a, that's a special thing. <laughs> um, but I do think there's a style of leadership on, on the team right now 
where Rojo's trying to cultivate it, where it is a style leadership that will at least will hold each other accountable. There's not one guy, even though Rojo's great, he's not going to be able, because he's not at the natural leadership position, mm-hmm. he's not necessarily going to be able to uplift the entire team and locker room by himself. That's why he's starting to establish a hierarchy of peer accountability. He needs help doing it. We're at the, the quarterback position. Man, it's such an inspirational position, such a natural leadership position. You really can. If you got swagger like VY, you got confidence to spare. You can give it to everybody. Everybody yep. will follow you. Yep. It is that power. It's like being <laughs> the president. People will automatically, all right, you know what? He's it. He's it. So, and it's I, like more like NBA with Running backs players. don't have that kind of clout. That's yep. why it's taking Rojo to prove himself on the field, to prove himself. Like when everybody's like, all right, you know what? Yeah, nobody else. Anybody else? And he's a former right, quarterback. You're the guy. You're the guy. And he's a former quarterback, so he kind of <laughs> gets that. But uh, the court, that's why the quarterback position is so pivotal. You don't have that natural leadership. I'm not saying they don't have it, but it definitely ain't vocal alpha male energy. Yeah, Sam, Sam, had Sam brought leadership, but his leadership style was different. It was it was different. And yeah, the leadership at the top of the yeah. team was a little bit different at the time. But this uh, conversation's reminding me totally of the way that basically, like, if you look at pro teams. The way the Patriots, the way Belichick like dispersed his leadership is almost like collegiate like because Tom Brady was always that guy in that peer accountability, yet he was always giving up something because he was never comfortable where he was at. So like it wasn't necessarily yep. your normal pro sports hierarchy the way it is. It sort of feels like it was sort of that ecosystem oh, that's yeah. more the hardest working guy amongst is also the your best player. Yeah, with, and, with Brady. Because he was always those, worried about his job. And that so all, everybody was like, I'm worried about my job. Because he's worried about his job. Yeah. If Tom Brady's not safe, I'm not safe. I got to work hard as Tom Brady. I got to go. So it, it, it automatically trickled down. In fact, why? At the quarterback position, the position everybody's watching. Yeah. That guy. That guy is freaking out about his position. Mm-hmm. That guy is not safe. If yeah. he's not safe, nobody's safe. Yeah. So there is an urgency mm-hmm. that, that, is, that, is, that is just, it, it, to me, is, is constant. It's consistent within, well, at least within the Tom Brady regime there, at least the Belichick-Brady regime. Yeah, no, the right. way can, that I, can I go macro with you a little bit, Rod? Because this is shoddy research on my part. But I've heard, you know, for millennials, which is the age group that we're talking about mm-hmm. right now, uh, these guys are millennials, right? Well, well there's another one. I know. They gotta Gen go Z, look the but yeah, they're even right. younger. Gen Z, yeah. Okay. Um, but I just we're on the border. I'd heard that. Yeah, I think you're right. That's your Gen Z. Okay. Right. But I heard that. Uh, so maybe this applies. Maybe it doesn't. But you'll get where I'm going with this. I've heard that millennials work well in groups. So I just threw in a quick Google search: Do millennials work well in groups? And it took me to this academic work, and it says although millennials enjoy group work because it is perceived as more fun and gives them a sense of unity and collaboration, it also gives them a way to avoid risks. I think that gets back to the point that. Nick Saban is talking about where I think there's a generation of they don't mind following, they don't mind putting in the work, but who's going to be the one that puts themselves out there? Because like I said, I think great leadership, there is a certain selflessness and sacrifice that has to take place of I will be the one to sacrifice a little bit of my own personal game because I I have to bring everybody else with me. I have to be the one that puts my neck out there. Kind of what you're talking about right in the social media world, if you're a leader, it's almost to, to your detriment now where we used to look at that as a positive thing now because when something goes wrong, where's the finger going to get pointed? Yeah, no doubt. Whether, and it doesn't matter if you're a CEO, if you're if you're a political figure, whatever, when something goes wrong, everybody wants somebody to blame now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and if you're the yeah. leader sticking your neck out, it's admirable, it's heroic, but there has to be. That's the element of sacrifice now is, okay, in the court of public opinion, if something goes wrong, I'm going to be the one that point the finger at. Which is why the first social media superstar in the NBA is supposed to be LeBron, right? And what LeBron want to do. Like, I don't want to be Michael Jordan. 
in yeah. terms of being the guy, the only superstar mm-hmm. that leads his team to a title. I I know I, I want I want play. I want support. I need support. Mm-hmm. I, w- I want to go play with Team other game. great players, and I also want to disperse some of this criticism and blame. Mm-hmm. He's still getting it, though. It's still because oh, it's yeah. LeBron. It's LeBron. But I think LeBron, part of that is I, I want to go work with a, with a better group and a team. I don't, you know, being being the Batman and then having, you know, the basically being the the Dark Knight, I should say, all right, and being the lone superstar didn't appeal to him as much as playing with a group of great players. And for Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley, I was old school. I said, "We're like, man, we would never dream of doing that." No, we wanted to be the lone superstar and the mm-hmm. reason why a team won. Different mentalities all together, just generationally. It used to be a race to the top. Jordan got to the top, and then yeah. then it got to the point we aren't trying to step on each other. Let's all it's big enough for all of us these days. Like, yeah, you that's see a it, great point. It's, and yeah, that's sort yeah. of how like it's been. And a lot of that comes with just the way that the sports explode. No, it is. They, they go to prom in groups now. I know. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. I've been saying like. It, it was a big thing yeah. back in the day. Like, no, no, you go to ask a prom date to, to prom, and mm-hmm. you got to go get turned down and rejected. You might have to go by your damn self. That's just kind of the test. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? That is that's part of your rite of passage, if you will. And now they don't they don't want because that there was a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. There was that was a lot of pressure, and then there was some. You know, you would get you would get called out if you if you didn't go to prom with a date. Yeah, you get kids called are out evil. And go by yourself. Exactly. It was it was mean spirited at times. It could be, and I think these kids are just trying to put a they want to fellowship in a more amicable environment, right? So I think they're like, no, no, let's go to prom in groups. If you like that person, great, but we'll just go as a group. No pressure. Mm-hmm. Let's pressure on everybody. Go as a group. You don't have to define, oh, girl, boy, whatever. whatever. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You can kind of be you, yeah. live your life, be your best self. And it is, I, you know, I, I see all the benefits of it, but you can tell different mentality. Yeah. Then we, I don't think anybody went to a prom in a group when we were young. Never, it, nope. never even done. Uh, hey, couples, it was like couples met each other. Couples met each other at the prom and have up, but that, it was never even talked about. And now they go, they go ten deep. Like, mm-hmm. I would just go on to, if you like, did, oh, if you did it was for for my generation was to save money. Maybe something like that. <laughs> yeah, but, on the ride. You know, I mean, but I, I can tell how it, you know, it does relieve some of the pressure and the anxiety of all that kind of stuff. And I think these kids have a lot of anxiety and pressure right. because of social media and all that kind of stuff. So I think they're just looking for ways social, socially to be able to relieve that. And that's just that was one of the ways. So I think there are a lot of different ways you can look at it. And it's, it affects leadership at, yeah. at all levels in all facets of life. Let me give you this on Gen Z real quick. So I Googled it. I said, yeah. does Gen Z work well in groups? Because Gen uh, Z is since 96, now. millennials yeah. is before 96. Yeah, they're the so. Uh, so millennials are, are said to be teamwork and collaborative uh, oriented, although Gen Z, people in Gen Z are happier working alone than as part of a group. They yeah, would also prefer to manage their own projects so that their abilities and skills can shine through. They do not want to depend on other people to do their work. Okay. And so, that adds up to everything from Saban to what you've been saying about, you know, harder to identify individual just, leaders. We only say this because it's just you can't you can't look at this. I don't know. It's different. Like we talk about, Rod, like you're the way you were raised and the guys you played with at Texas were raised. It's very different than the way guys are raised today. No doubt. Yep. And so it's just trying to figure out kind of what what is going to make it work. And I think this goes back to what I said earlier this offseason, and we'll kind of start closing with this. And this is something that took me a long time to realize, and I've written on it, I've reported on it, and and, and I'm just in a different place with it now in terms of my headspace. I used to view culture as something that you just kind of fixed and it was what it was. But now seeing the way, and I know he's an extreme example, but the way Nick Saban has operated Alabama, 
and it's more so looking at when things went wrong with Mac at Texas, mm-hmm. when things went wrong with Pete Carroll at USC at the end, when things with Urban Meyer at Florida, all these dynasty like these dynasty programs where things went wrong. It was that assumption that okay, the culture is good. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. What Nick Saban has shown you, culture is just kind of this evolving organism that always you always constantly have to be working on it because the minute you think your culture is good, that's the minute it's going to start slipping. Mm-hmm. You you always constantly have to be working on it, and it's again, it's not just like this quick fix. Okay. Culture's great. Let's go. Let's move forward. Don't have to worry about culture. No, you constantly have to work on it. It constantly has to evolve. And, again, going back to the Roshan Johnson example, no, that doesn't mean just because Roshan Johnson is organizing working workouts, Texas fans don't think that just means, all right, we're going to win 10 games this year because, you know, yeah, everybody's on the same page. No. But if you're if Steve Sarkeesian is going to be the guy, if, he, if this group of players under him is going to be the group of players that starts to get it back on track to where – Three or four years from now, now we're talking about Texas in the SEC being a team that can go compete for that conference championship, which means you're competing for a national championship. It probably would have started here with guys saying, okay, the way Rojo led and the way things, that's the way things need to be, and it needs to evolve in that direction. This can be kind of the genesis of it. It's got to start somewhere. But don't think, again, don't think, it's just, it's not a quick fix. There's not a button you push. It doesn't just happen, and then that's it, and then we all stand around the campfire singing Kumbaya, and all these national championship trophies just keep falling from the sky. <laughs> uh, yeah, because when it's, when it, when you're rolling, right, like the middle of Mac Brown, uh, like those dynasties you talked about, when you're rolling, uh, you almost do seem to think the, the culture is on cruise control, but it's actually not. You know, yeah. uh, you know Mike Shanahan once told me about, culture he said listen i don't worry about culture i worry about hiring really good people the culture takes care of itself when i hire the right people um and it actually made me think about how nick saban the one thing i think he's obsessed with uh in terms of psych psychologically um human nature right he talks about human nature a lot if you listen to nick saban talk i've listened to a lot of nick saban unfortunately but Mm -hmm. um he talks about human nature a lot and he, he talks about the the natural uh, kind of reaction for uh, toward hum- for humans toward success. So he says humans have success. They they can't help themselves. They want a pat on the back. They want somebody to tell them good job. You know, well done. They want a reward. It's natural. He said there have been scientific studies done about it. Whatever feeding the rat the cheese. Whatever humans they want a reward for a job mm-hmm. well done. And he said they naturally want to relax. Because they, they, they can't help but look at the journey and what it took to get to the mountaintop. Yeah. And they can't help but look get to the mountaintop and look at the view and go, oh, man, look at what I've accomplished. And he said oftentimes that he describes, that's kind of the beginning, the rat poison oh, yeah. that mm-hmm. he talks about all the time. And he calls it the success flu. He said, and once you have that moment, he said, you can't help it subconsciously. You're going to start to relax yeah. and you're going to start to, he said, it's going to, complacency is going to set in. And then you, you're going to start to wonder, why I got to work so hard to do this again? Yeah. I mean, I just did this. I got to work hard to do it again. I already proved to the world. I went prove to the world again I got to do it. He said, and naturally, humans don't want to do that. They want to just, they want people to, to hey, they want people to see and recollect on their, what they did in the past. Hey, don't you see what I accomplished? Quit asking me to do it again. Mm-hmm. I already did it. I can do it. I've proven that. Mm-hmm. And he said, what he does, he tries to avoid that at all costs. The success flu. Bill Belichick, who's also a saving guy, no right? Days no off. days off. He's at the he's at the parade, parade the championship the parade. Bowl. Got the fans. Cheering.
cheering, no, no days, days off. off, no days off, because he understands also it's natural Saban's human behavior. Saban's plane ride after his first championship, he did the same thing that yeah. he, the booster, everybody was just starting to be happy, and he was telling everything, I need this, I need this, yes. I need this, I need this, and that's where, like, those few with that he's, sickness, yeah, because like he talks that about that. He, yeah, because he's got that competitive yeah. sickness. I was like, right, he can't turn it off. He no. can't turn it and off. He knows Everybody else can turn opponents. it off and they can relax. He can't turn it off. That's probably why he is the goat, right? So you want to relax after a job well done. Creates complacency. Complacency cr- creates bad habits, right? Habits become behavior. Behavior affects performance. Period. Yep. That's it. That's in a nutshell. And that's happened to Mac Brown. That's what happened to all the other dynasties. They don't know where exactly guys started relaxing and <sighs> exhaling yep. and uh, Mac Brown caught a little sugar on your back and started, you know, telling everybody, hey, job well done. Instead of, hey, man, we got to get better. What we just did, we have to look for the ne- next mountain. To hell, to hell with looking at, you know, the view and how picturesque it is Those and patting ourselves on the back. There's lost. another mountain right there. Mm-hmm. We got to get to work on We don't have time. We're behind on next year. Yeah, we're already losing ground. We're losing time on the next mountain. Because you know what? There's some other guy climbing it. All 31 of them are angry at us He said to hell with the mountain that you're on. You already got to that mountaintop. He's on the next mountain already. And while you were patting yourself on the back looking at the view, he was already halfway to the top. And that's how the real ones think. And that's what you got to avoid. And I think, Human nature is what you have to avoid. I think for I think for <laughs> yeah, you're fighting. Tough. That's what you're Good fighting. Good luck. Human no. nature. As we close this out, I think for Sark, uh, we, we've seen coaches at Texas that didn't get to that point. Like we saw it with Tom Herman, where no. you win a Sugar Bowl and you win 10 games. Like, oh, man, this is easy. Well, and then it got no. way too comfortable. Yep. Yeah. 2019 and I, I think the thing that encourages me is I think – I feel like this is a stab, and you see this kind of in the way they go about the recruiting process. There, there, there's a hunger and a focus from this staff that, I, that it feels like they not only have a vision of where they want to go, and again, I'm not saying this doesn't guarantee Texas anything. Oh, no, it's not. They have a vision for where they want to go, and they understand the process of what it's going to take to get there. And I think when, when Sart talks about all gas, no brakes, and I think this is where people – Kind of have, yeah, have fun. You have your meme. You're all guests. Go breaks <laughs> memes and say what you want on Twitter. Make your jokes. But I think when Sark took the job and he said this work will be all gas, no breaks, I think he was talking about the coaching staff first and foremost of, look, you you can't stop to look around and admire the view. If you want to go win a championship, you just have to mash the gas pedal, do your best to 2 and 10 to keep that thing from crashing because it is you-know-what to the wall 100 miles an hour every day, and you cannot stop. And like you said, Rod, if you're fortunate enough, if you're lucky enough mm-hmm. to get to the mountaintop, maybe you take a deep breath once you get there, but then you figure out, all right, what's the next highest peak I can get to? Pretty much. And you go. And that's that's how you sustain a dynasty in yeah. college football. And, again, very hard to do because the guy we talked about, Nick Saban, he's the only guy that's done it for as long as he's had. And he he looks miserable the entire time. Exactly, because yeah. he's fighting. He's fighting human nature. He's literally his entire his entire it's career fighting human. Na- it is exhausting. <laughs> Think about it, every other great <laughs> kind of drives di- home to another state. Every other great dynasty we've seen in college football: Bobby Bowden at Florida State, Tom Osborne at Nebraska, Mac Brown at Texas, Pete Carroll at USC, Urban Meyer at Florida. It it they all fell off at some point. It drastically fell off a cliff at some point. Because they're human. Exactly. <laughs> right? And Saban's the only one where it hasn't. Hopefully but again, we have an alien. to get to that point. I feel like this is a coaching staff that understands the process it's going to take. And now I think you've got, hopefully, this is the start of a group of players that understands what it ha- what it's going to take and what you need to do to get to that point. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So, stay locked in the Horns 24-7, and the Horn will keep you updated on all things Big 12 Media Days as things go down in Arlington. That's going to do it for this week's show. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod, be appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 104.9101 on AM1260, streaming on the Horn app at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod B each and every weekday on Ball Don't Lie with Mike Hard from 3 to 7. Same as plug. You can also get myself and Craig White each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. Thanks to Matt. Get all of our archives. Our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Search Horns 24-7. That's Horns 247. No dashes, no slashes anywhere you get your podcast. Click that follow button to get every episode of The Blitz when it drops on Tuesdays. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. And we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.